everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. Here today for our flagship edition of the show, Tom Adams here. And today I am joined just not quite 24 hours after Bayern Munich's final match of the Hinrunda beating Schalke 2-0 away in Gelsenkirchen. I am joined by the one, the only, I need no name. And we're our, we are just a week away from the World Cup starting as well. And as we know, Hansi Flick announced his Germany squad uh, just a few days ago officially. So there's a lot to look forward to. So in, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you looking forward to the World Cup as well? Or are you a little bit pessimistic? So the thing is that I'm doing mostly okay, I guess. I mean, like I can't be doing any worse than I am right now. So I guess I'm doing okay. But in terms of the World Cup, I am actually looking forward to it, despite all the controversy, despite all the stuff going on. And I understand all the stuff about Qatar and their issues. But like, I'm just looking forward to the football at the World Cup. Call me selfish, call me dumb for saying that. But I am. I can't help myself. And I am looking forward especially to seeing Germany at the World Cup and Hansi Flick's Germany team. Well, we're, you know, we're not Leon Goretzka in as much as we disagree with things and speak out. We don't really have as much control. So exactly your point. Enjoy the football. There's going to be a month of it around Thanksgiving, Christmas time. So I'm going to enjoy it. And from a German perspective, I think I'm very optimistic. We have a lot to look forward to. We now know what the final roster is going to be. And, and I thought we'd kind of look at it going from back to front and how we think Hansi Flick is going to line up. Uh, at least for uh, the group stage matches, at least these first two, because, right, you can win the first two and guarantee your progression to the knockout stages. But for me, in obviously, I think the goalkeeper picks himself in Manuel Neuer unless exactly. something catastrophic exactly. happens. Um, and then it's Kevin Trapp, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen going uh, as his backups. But the back four, in this is where it gets a little interesting. And I know that you're going to have your opinion on this. So I picture Hansi Flick using something like a 4-2-3-1. For me, at least three of those back four pick themselves as far as experience and form and a mixture of the two going from left to right. David Ram from RB Leipzig, Antonio Rudiger of Real Madrid. Niklas Zula, he may not be having the best season with Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, Mats Hummels isn't there in the squad. Hansi Flick left him out. But at right back in, this is where I just don't know. There's so many guys. Some people are thinking Tilo Kehrer uh, from West Ham. Some people are thinking Klosterman. Some people are thinking maybe even Bella Kochap get a shout, you know, and he's uh, been a bright spot for Southampton. But in, I just don't know. That right back spot is something where I really, I really don't know. I don't know what I would want to see. I don't know exactly what's going to, what Hansi Flick is going to wind up doing, or even if it's going to be a back four. So I don't know if you have thoughts on that or, or if you're going to pick someone entirely different other than the three guys I just mentioned at that position or even yeah, the other three guys. The thing is there. that, like, um, it's it has to be a back four, right? We have seen Germany not do well with anything other than a back four. Joachim Le tried to switch to a back three at some point during his, you know, that that period where he was literally trying anything and everything to see what works. And the back three never did work. And at Bayern, and we do have to talk about this from a Bayern Munich perspective, when Nagelsmann came in. And he was trying to transition us from Hansi Flick's 4-2-3-1 to more of a back three oriented system. It never really caught on because on a fundamental level, Germany and Bayern do not have the players who are comfortable in a back three setting. Now, the thing is that the defense, I believe that you, you pointed out rightly that right back is a point of pain for Hansi and he's going to have to figure something out. I believe... I think it was build or kicker. I don't know. I hope it wasn't kicker, but because then, <laughs> you know, they, they're always wrong about whatever they report. But I think it was build who reported that Hansi is planning to have Tilo Kehrer 
add right back. And I know you're a I big just, fan of his. I, I am a huge, huge fan of Dilo Kerr. Why wouldn't I be? He helped us get the Champions League title against PSG. But I think the only person in the world who is a bigger fan of Dilo Kerr than I am is Hansi Flick. Because just, just tell me, Tom, like, how the hell has Hansi called up Tilo Kerr? But not Matt Summers. What is going on here? Because, like, I cannot justify this decision at all. If if Hansi had called up Matt Summers, you could have had a back four consisting of Raum, Hummels, Rudiger, and then Nicolas Zula at right back. Yeah, which we know that, works. Right now, instead, Hansi has the choice of either playing Tilo Kerrer uh, at right back, which we know he's a disaster, or he can play Tilo Kerrer at centre back. And have Sula at right back, which is, I don't know, maybe a little bit better, but still not that great. Or he can have Nico Schlotterbeck come in at centre-back. But, like, I know Dortmund fans will know this very well. Schlotterbeck has been an absolute disaster lately in terms of his form. It's like he's forgotten how to defend. He's just defending the Dortmund where he doesn't... He, he seems a shadow of the player that he was at Freiburg last season. So. And, you, and you just have to ask Mitch and Gladbach fans how they think <laughs> Dortmund's oh, defense looked after that 5 wanna. Yeah, Dortmund trying to copy us. They shipped five goals to Mitch and Gladbach. So <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, like, I don't know what Hansi has done with his defensive selections. Like, David Raum, at least, you can say that he doesn't really have any real competition. I know that Christian Gunter... And who was it? Lucas Klosterman has yes, he been called up? Well. Yeah, those mm-hmm. two are also options at left back. And Klosterman can be an option at right back. But the fundamental issue with Klosterman is that he just can't attack at all, ever. And a Hansi Flick setup requires an attacking fullback, at least on one side, if not two sides. And with Raum being in the form he is in right now, which is not that great, I don't know. I, I, think this fullback issue is going to be the big issue for Germany going into this World Cup, not yeah. any more than the striker issue or the midfield issue. This is going to be the big one. And just taking, you know, an over uh, a deep look at the squad too, just position by position. I know that in the past, under both Love and Flick, we've seen uh, Matthias Ginter at right back as well. And while that's not something that I would roll the dice on at the World Cup, you know, you can't really experiment too much. You have to get things right there because you only have a condensed window to get results, right? You only have three matches from the group. And if you don't do enough, then you are going home. And if Germany don't make it out of the groups, again, it'll be considered a disaster. And we don't want to sit here in a month's time and be having to have having to have those conversations and going into full meltdown mode again. So in this is actually something I'm going to post to you as well. Now, we know that under Flick, I want to say it's happened before. It 100% has happened under Joachim Love because we remember specifically him saying Joshua Kimmich. He preferred him at right back, whereas Kimmich himself prefers central midfield. Now in Germany, does midfield does happen to be a position where we do have quite a bit of depth, especially with the amount of players that are fully fit and healthy. You know, There's this conversation of how do you work in Jamal Musiala and Thomas Muller into the same team uh, when you have guys like Serge Gnabry, Kai Havertz, and Leroy Zane uh, to comprise all of the front players. So do you think that's something that Flick might consider in? Because Kimmich, while we do prefer him in midfield, also you have uh, you know Ilkay Gundogan, Leon Goretzka, central midfielders to work in there. Do you think that Flick would consider that? Because a guy like Kimmich will provide attack, attacking prowess, and more stability and more uh, experience than some of the other guys at right back. 
Well, the thing is that Kimmich has not played right back at a stretch ever since what? Since 2020, when we had Pavard injured and Kimmich had to play right back in the Champions League. But since then, he has not really played right back much at all. He played did it. Did he do right back in the Euros a little bit? If I recall, uh, he did play. He did play right back at the Euros, but that was kind of like complete necessity because Germany did not have any other options. But right, right. here, like since then, he has not played right back at all. His most recent game against Schalke that was a game at right back for at least half of the game before Matthias Delict was subbed on by Nagelsmann, and we saw like Kimmich without him in midfield, the midfield of Bayern's fell apart because Kimmich in that DM position he provides balance to the entire team right. right so the thing is you can't just move Kimmich to right back and then expect one of the other players to just pick up that kind of stuff Hansi the way the way he's called up the German squad he's basically only called up three specialist midfielders Kimmich Goretzka and Gundogan and mm. that's not enough like you can say that Johannes Hoffman is also a specialist midfielder so that's it that's all he's called up. Everyone else is an attacker. So you can't really expect Germany to walk into a game in the World Cup against a team like, say, for example, Spain and have only one player in midfield, that is Goretzka, and then go in with like five attackers. We've seen that exact same thing play out with Nagelsmann at Bayern, and it never worked. Adding more attackers to the detriment of the midfield has never, ever worked for any team in any competition ever and this is not gonna be Hansi Flick's solution in fact I think there have already been suggestions by the German media that Hansi is not planning to have Kimmich at right back so in that case I would say that the best option really is Niklas Sula because Sula has played right back under Flick and he has been playing right back at Borussia Dortmund recently with their issues with injuries and stuff and I think that Sula is quite a fine right back. Like for a time last season, I was saying that he should be starting over Benjamin Pavard, who was having a bad time. And in terms of just offenses, defenses, both both avenues, he is pretty much a complete player. He can do he can go up and down the pitch. He can provide the width that Hansi wants. And he has the chemistry with his Bayern Munich teammates on that side. So that is also gonna help him adjust. Whereas any other option that Hansi might use, I think Jonas Hoffman is another option that he might try and hunt back. They're not, what should I say? It's not as good. Like Jonas Hoffman, we saw him once play right back for Germany. I think it was against, I don't know, was it Israel? I, I don't remember which exact team it was, but the problem that you could see that he did not really track back all that much and that left a huge hole behind him that the defenders had to cover for. And that's going to be a reason why I don't think Hansi will want to use that kind of tactic at the World Cup. So the question of defense and midfield seems interlinked. And I think that Germany's best option at right back is Niklas Sula. So that means that who do you play at center back instead? Yeah, that's a very good point because then that leaves a, a void next to you because I think most people would agree that Rudiger at least picks himself and he's going to be one of those guys in the center back pairing. It's do you bring in Schlotterbeck? Do you bring in someone else to slot in if Zula is pushed out right? And just we were talking about Hoffman. Like, I do remember that stretch. I want to say it was two to three international breaks ago. Like, he played it right back. I even think Hansi Flick had made a comment after one of those matches where he said it was kind of a risky experiment that he wasn't too pleased with the results. Positionally, as you mentioned, 
not enough uh, tracking back, not enough cover on that side. But it was like that same international break where he played a number of different positions and was like our our main scorer. He scored two of our goals in uh, like one one draws. I think it might have been England and Hungary uh, in the Nations League, if I recall correctly. But you bring up a very very good point in because I do think the defense and the midfield issues are interlinked because of everything we just discussed. But it's like almost as if we do have this plethora of attacking players, as you mentioned, without kind of the specialist midfielders. And obviously we know that Flick and uh, the DFB coaching staff did try to see how uh, Tony Kroos would potentially feel about coming out of international retirement. That's something that we know isn't going to happen. And Tony Kroos did not want to do, wanted to stick true to his word about retiring from international play altogether. But just going down the list and like, you're entirely right. And I didn't even initially realize how sort of, uh, swayed it was to these attacking players, right? So just looking down the list, you could say you could even include Hoffman in that if you don't want to, you know, put a clear definition of him as like an auxiliary guy. But Mario Gurtza, Jamal Musiala, Yusuf Mukuku, Kareem Adiyemi, Ganabri, Havertz, Muller, Zane, and then obviously Full Krug as one of the only natural outright number nine type of strikers in the squad. We know that he's having a fantastic season with uh, Werder Bremen and Bayern was perhaps lucky that he wasn't available for the match midweek. But as you mentioned, like very overwhelmed with all of those attacking players. And maybe you could say out of those guys, Musiala, um, maybe Thomas Muller can play in a more retreated midfield position. We know that they can do that at Bayern and with Germany with the right guys around them, as long as we still have the necessary firepower up top. And even Julian Brandt, I feel like Dortmund fans might uh, recall, I believe he's been used in a deeper lying midfield position before, even though I think by trade, he's kind of a, a winger or an attacking midfielder. So out of those guys in, like, do you think any, I mean, other than those three guys I just mentioned, do you think Flick will maybe at times rely on either of those guys to play a bit more retreated, especially in, I think it's our second group stage match of the tournament against Spain, where exactly, as you mentioned, you don't want to, you know, overbog the squad with attackers and leave yourself very, very open. I think the thing is that when Flick was in charge of Bayern, his midfield three was Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, and Thomas Muller. And that was a pretty balanced midfield because what they did was Kimmich would stay deep. He would be in front of the centre-backs, provide cover to the centre-backs. And then Goretzka would be the ball carrier. He would link attack and defence. And Muller would be the guy who would be the first line of pressing. He would press whoever was on the ball, the centre-back, or the defensive midfielder of the opposition. And that would allow like a multiple de tier defense for the team when it is out of position. And I think that he is he would be best served by going back to that same setup. But that also means that you cannot really do without any one of these players. At most, you could move Muller to a different position and have Muziala there. But I don't think that the setup we saw where for example, you saw games last season where we had Buziala and Goretzka as part of a pivot. I don't think that is going to be viable in this because the reason that it ever worked for Bayern Munich is that, first of all, we had defenders like Luis Hernandez at centre-back for us to, you know, sweep up attacks behind him and also defenders like really quick guys like Alfonso Davies on the wings and those guys could prevent counters like anything. That kind of that kind of special quality is missing from this Germany squad. So a more robust setup is going to benefit everyone on the squad, in my opinion, not just the defenders. And 
I believe that the defense can use all the help they can get because coming into this, a lot of them are not informed. Ram is not informed. Sula, I don't know if you want to say that he's informed. I feel like he looks a little bit slow, a little bit out of shape. Ever since he joined Dortmund, he doesn't seem as fit as he did at Bayern. Um, I don't know if this might be just a lazy narrative, but it just feels that way to me. Schlotterbeck, completely not informed. I have not watched enough of Madrid to have an opinion of Antonio Rudiger. I hope he's informed because if he's not, then oh my God. And Manuel Norris still looks a little bit unsure of himself, a little bit shaky after all that time spent out with the shoulder issue. So the defense is going to need that cover from midfield. So having, for example, a single midfield a single true midfielder like Goretzka paired with someone like Moziala, who can pass the ball really well and link attack and defense, but cannot really provide the cover to the defense that Kimmich, for example, provides. I don't think that's an option for Germany in this one. I don't think that sacrificing attack for defense is the way to go. I think Flick has to take the balanced approach. So with midfield in, with the guys that we have available, do you think, I, I know it sounds like, you know, you talked about the midfield three of Muller, Goretzka, and Kimmich and how it's worked, but putting your Hansi Flick hat on, if you will, <laughs> um, even though he never wears hats, uh, as I'm just realizing that as I'm saying it, um, unlike other managers, but do you think it will be uh, like a, a pivot of Kimmich and Goretzka? And then, so let's say first match against Japan, um, obviously not, I mean, not to discredit Japan. I mean, as we've talked about in our Slack channel before, uh, us, there's a slew of them that play in the Bundesliga and are very potent attackers. And we're not going to be going into this underestimating any opponent. But obviously, you would look at Spain uh, and, and consider them the strongest opponent that we're going to face in that group. But with that said, so just looking at the first match, uh, Japan, because it's the one that's coming up first, the one we have the least amount of time to prepare for. Do you see the midfield as being a sort of a, a two a two and a three, and then a, I think a one it has advanced to be, player? I think it has so to be, you... right? Imagine that Thomas Muller is fit. If he is fit, then I think Hansi Flick being the guy, the grandmaster of the Muller Mafia, the godfather, as it were, <laughs> he would be, what would I say? He would be there, like, just behind the striker if if there is a striker there. And if Muller instead is played as a striker himself, then Jamal Muziala would be in that role, which is the role that he has been That using. is the million-dollar question, yeah. and I was going to have to, because right now, with the form he's in, you know, we often see Muller as a CAM behind a striker, whether it's going to be Havertz as the most advanced player, Gnabry, but my big question would be, how do you work in Muller and... Because if you leave Musiala out of the lineup with the form that he's in, I feel like a lot of people will be questioning Hansi Flick right from the get-go. Well, I don't think how it's do very How do you work difficult. these two guys... I don't think it's very difficult, you know, because Mm. Muziala, he's a world-class winger as well. Like, I know that he has been really good at attacking midfield so far, but you can just move into the wing. Now, the question is, who do you move out of there? Because if you ask me, like, based on the season so far, who would I have between Serge Gnabry or Leroy Sani? I would say Sani for sure, because he's been having a great season. But if you ask me based on just... Because Sani before his injury... Amazing yeah, form, and then now Gnabry's, now, Gnabry's scoring yeah. goals. <laughs> now Gnabry is suddenly in huge form, so which one do you drop? Or do you play both of them and the full crew on the bench so you can have like Muller up top, Gnabry, Sané, and Muziala interchanging? Because that's also something that we've seen Nagelsmann use to great effect Yeah, in 
like the strikerless system that we've been talking about and it's complicated to talk about because there are so many moving parts there and so many variables that just don't apply because does a strikerless system work without uh amazing fullback like alfonso davies does it work without that does it yeah. work without the passing range and accuracy of someone like dieter pumbacano do those things work and obviously there's also the fact that the striker system might not work either because Shubo Moting, the reason that his form has been good and the reason that he works so well in Nagelsmann's system is because of his link-up play rather than just his goals. So we don't know if Fulkrug will have that same kind of ability to link up with his teammates because Chupo, it took him what? He came here in 2020, right? So he came here that long ago and he's only now becoming a true part of the system. Will Fulkrug be able to built up that kind of chemistry in just like a week of training with these guys he's literally never been called up before so like will he be able to build up that chemistry will he be able to manage that Hansi's gonna have to decide that in training by watching what goes on watching them closely and there's also the fact that we don't know how fit these guys are we don't know how fit Thomas Muller is we don't know how what kind of form he's in before the right before he went injured he was what he scored a goal like in a few seconds against victoria pulse and just went off injured and honestly i think he's been just fine this season not an especially large number of goals or assists but i think that was just because he was playing a key role during the time that Bayern munich were in a finishing slump so if he had been played in our more recent games he would have just had better stats but i think that like those are the questions that Hansi Flick will need to answer in training and in the test game against Oman coming up in this week. And if he, like, if whatever answers he gets, even if those answers are not very conclusive, he's going to have to stick with them through the group stage because I don't think this group stage has any room for experimentation, you know? Yeah, exactly. And regardless of the group that you're in, the World Cup is not really the place where you want to um, overly experiment you want to have things down to a T and it is going to be one of the most difficult time crunches that national team managers have ever had right because even as we speak right now and there are club matches across Europe's top five leagues going on uh, and like literally things could happen today that players are going uh, that players who are destined for the World Cup you know could experience and it's absolutely ridiculous that the players are exposed to this you know there's all these conversations of how much of the player's well-being was was taken into account, which it doesn't really seem like there was much at all, if you ask me. But as you mentioned, we do have that friendly this week against Oman where Hansi Flick can make those final adjustments um, and about a week's, uh, week and a half, a half worth of... Um, when is the first game in? Is it Tuesday or Monday? I think, I think, I think it's think Tuesday Monday. or Monday. I, I, I don't know. I, I've forgotten. I think it's on it's on the 23rd. Wait, uh, one second. Uh, when is that? Yeah, that's Wednesday, um, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, so Wednesday, I mean, really not more than a week's time. So it'll be a week from the friendly, I believe, is the friendly, I, th- the, I think the friendly is either Tuesday or Wednesday. So that is not a quick turnaround at all. And not to mention, a lot of these guys will have just played either today or yesterday at the time of recording and then uh, all of the travel that's involved. So there is that. I mean, to everything we were just saying, I was going to say that we can add, you know, that filter of, there is a training camp. You know, things can happen at the training camp. Uh, Hansi Flick will already have his ideas set, but I mean, things can happen. Adjustments can be made and he can see different things. He can see who's fit, uh, who's more fit, who's still carrying something and don't doesn't want to risk them because it is three group stage matches. It's not, it's not just one. 
uh, and you know a lot of things can happen in the group. And you know it's a very interesting group when you look at it. You would have to say that Germany and Spain are the odds-on favorites to progress to the knockout stages, but it's teams like I don't know. I can't remember has Germany ever faced like Japan or Cameroon is the other team in the group? No, Costa Rica. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, Costa Rica, Costa Rica. Have they? Or I actually, two thousand six. Because... I think it was. I think it was the uh, opening match where Mom scored that amazing uh, curler, and then Torsten Frings, I think, scored the um, that like arrowed like forty yard screamer. I want to say it was Costa Rica. I don't know why I said Cameroon. That was like I You're knew it was Costa Chupa Rica Mote. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like as we always used to say. It's, if only it's kind Boston of a was German weird thing. <laughs> if only because uh, he is he is German. The thing is that Chupo is German. He mm-hmm. is born in Germany. He has German citizenship. He just plays for Cameroon. So like his ancestry yeah. is Cameroonian. So obviously, but imagine if he was German right now, like that would that yeah. would just solve all of Hansi Flick's problems. Like wouldn't even be yeah. a question of who it's, starts. It is funny right? that like we always talk about striker. Timo Werner, for whatever reason, has been this this guy that's like falsely always uh, picked in that position, and he just like he he's been doing much better at Leipzig than he had been at Chelsea, but obviously got the injury, and uh, it's so funny that like different strikers that we wouldn't expect so in full Krug and, and Chupamotang right now are just absolutely crushing it, but only one of them happens to be German and registered with the German Footballing Federation. Yeah, the Krug. thing is that it's kind of weird to me that like we are having this con position this late into Germany's World Cup preparation because I would have hoped that Flick would have had an idea of what his attack would look like at this stage, you know? It's kind of disappointing to me that Flick hasn't figured it out yet. I get that Full Krug was not informed before this and you know, he, he was putting a lot of his eggs in the Timo basket and also the Havertz basket. We have not even mentioned Kai Havertz even once yeah. in this entire podcast. And I think the reason is because Chelsea sucks so much right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness. Like, she don't want, we don't want a Chelsea player anywhere near the squad right now. But like, I don't think Havertz is a candidate to start at the moment. Before the World Cup, I would have said that Havertz is Germany's best striker candidate simply because he had that little knack for linking up with our current attackers and scoring goals. But instead, right now, I would say that Hansi being Hansi, I think he might go with Thomas Muller at striker to begin with, at least in the test game against Oman. And if that doesn't work, then he's going to bring full Krug in and maybe bench one player. And if a player gets bench, it might be Leroy Sané because Flick and Sané have never quite seen eye to eye, in my opinion. Like it took Nagelsmann to really unlock what Sané can do at, mm-hmm. like, it took Nagelsmann to unlock Sané's potential at Bayern Munich. And if you recall, back when we were trying to get Sané, it was reported that Flick was actually against his signing and he wanted Timo Werner instead. So yeah, despite Sané's good form this season and his good form on the right wing, Flick might decide, no, this is not the kind of football I want to play because Flick ball is fundamentally different from Nagel's ball. And he might decide instead to have Serge Gnabry there. And Serge Gnabry, Musiala, Muller, and Fulkrug seems to me also a very decent like attack. It's interesting to me too because I feel like I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's almost like with the amount of substitutions that are allowed now and how often we see. I don't know, like if you if you feel this way too. I feel like we see Bundesliga managers. Maybe it's just the Bayern Munich bias because I'm watching every Bayern match every weekend uh, and midweek, uh, at least highlights if I'm at work during the midweek, and it seems like. Nagelsmann and Bundesliga managers 
far more often use all five subs than the Premier League does uh, or other leagues. I don't know if you kind of feel that way too, but it's almost the point I'm trying to make is it, it who, whoever's knocked out, especially in the attack, because we have so many options there with Gnabry, Zane, Musiala, Muller, Mukoku, who's having a decent season for Dortmund, Adiemi, not so much, but we do know what he's capable of. Kai Havertz, obviously Chelsea, eh, not really too hot right now, but we do know what he's capable of too. You know, I think it's easier for these guys to subscribe to the idea that there'll be a sub and can come on in a match and, and impact it because I think we, I don't know if you feel that same way. And I feel like there's yeah, more I think of a that that potential is, to, to use yeah. these subs and it's very, very much a part of the game plans. Yeah, I think that is the reason why Hansi took this many attackers to Qatar with him because I think he has a feeling that a lot of his attackers are going to drop blanks in Qatar. Like he has no idea who's actually going to score when push comes to shove. So he wants the entire German attacking setup with him. That's why he's gone yeah. so light with midfielders and defenders. He's going to take, like, for example, if if his first choice attackers are not scoring, then he can bring on guys like Marigat, guys like Julian Brandt, Karim Adiemi. I don't know why he'd bring on Adiemi. I mean, he's been so terrible at Dortmund lately. But <laughs> like Yusuf Makoko, all these guys can be brought on and they can maybe have an impact. And I think that kind of betrays a little bit of Hansi's anxiety about the attack because he doesn't know what he has in this attack. He doesn't know exactly who he's going to start, exactly who's going to fit into his tactics. And he's going to have about a week to figure that out, which is really cutting it close. I think if he doesn't want to do too much tinkering, the obvious play would be to have a bind front four then a bind midfield two then who the hell he wants at in the defense because there are no bind defenders in this germany squad and then finally nor at keepers so just keep it simple have what all seven bind players start and make sure that the club level chemistry between these players just gets you the win on the pitch and i know a certain someone who would like that only honus what did he used to say fc deutschland at bayern munich yeah, he said that like Germany needs Bayern Munich to produce the national team's talents because otherwise no one else is going to be able to. What was the quote actually? I'm I'm trying to think of it right now. Like he I said know, something. It's been about, a while. It's been a while, and Uli is not on TV anymore, so I I can't really talk about it much. But <laughs> Uli was perfectly right because I think that was something that was missing from 2018, right? The fact that Germany did not have that Bayern Munich-based core. And instead, it was like a lot of players from a lot of different teams. There was a sizable buying faction, but not as many as we see currently in this current German setup. And certainly not anywhere near as many as we saw in the 2014 World Cup, where I think almost the entire starting 11 and several substitutes were either current or former Bayern Munich players. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would have to agree with him. And I think history, at least um, you want to you want to consider 2018 onward that that's shown to work. And I think it will prove uh, to work in Qatar, especially with the form that Bayern Munich is in. But in, I think we've, we've discussed a lot. We pretty much went back to front with this Germany squad. And any, any final words on that in before we wrap up? So I have basically just one final question for this podcast, which is how far do you think Germany will go in the World Cup? Because I'm asking this a little bit early because I want to just establish like a baseline of what the expectations are before we know what kind of form Germany are in, what kind of form the players or the coach are in 
uh, before we see them in any game. Just a baseline based on what the talent is and who the coach is and what we expect. How far do you think Germany are going to go? Realistically, I would say quarterfinals in. I'm just, I want them to get out of the group. I, I think they have every capability of doing so and then winning at least one knockout stage match. The only reason I shy from saying semifinals or finals is just the sheer amount of depth uh, and fantastic players and players who are in form that some of the other uh, stronger nations have. And I'm actually, I, I know I'm trying to remember which one of our BFW staffers said it uh, in our Slack because I agree with them. I actually think one of either Japan or Costa Rica might surprise us. And I think that we, I think we'll break Spain down. I think we're going to beat Spain and one of Japan and Costa Rica and perhaps get a draw with the other. But obviously that would be enough to get us through to the knockout stages. Um, but there's just so many great nations in, and that have so much depth. And um, that's why I, I'm going to say the quarterfinals. Okay, and so I, I'm curious to hear what you are going to say. I think that Germany have enough talent, enough depth, enough quality to win it all. Okay. I genuinely think okay. all right. is is not out of reach for this squad because fundamentally, Flick, in my opinion, is the best coach in the tournament right now. I would not say that any other coach holds any kind of candle to him in terms of his achievements. The only one who comes close is Luis Enrique of Spain because he won a treble with Barcelona. But let's be honest, winning a treble with the MSN Barca and also beating Pep's Bayern when his team did not have... Robin or Ribery, that's not a big achievement. Whereas Flick's sextuple, much bigger achievement. And You mean the mighty uh, Greg Berhalter isn't up there for an elite manager leaving out Union Berlin's best strikers? Who? <laughs> I'm, I'm not American, Tom. Just, yeah, just in case you're What unaware, are you talking he about? Is, he does happen to be, he is someone who's going to Qatar. He will be leading the U.S. men's national team. And yes, he did leave out Jordan Pifak, who's having a fine season with Union Berlin, uh-huh. which I don't okay. quite agree with. But here we are. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you haven't mentioned to people what kind of jumper I'm wearing right now because I know you can see it. And I can't I, see it, I, but I'm kept, not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it. I have I kept was my lips not gonna look, Tom. I've already <laughs> seen England win one World Cup today. I do not need to see them win another. And <laughs> look, look, I'm gonna say something, okay? Germany, the squad that they have, if Hansi keeps it simple, there is no reason for them to get anything less than the final run. Because, look, most international teams, they are stuck maybe five, six, seven years behind club football. Okay, whereas Hansi's team, it has the capability of playing pretty much exactly the brand of football that Bayern Munich are playing. Yes, I get it that there is no Alfonso Davies, no Nusser Matraoui on the team, but you have players who are close enough for the brand of football to be as good as it is attitude in Nagelsmann's mind. There is no longer the excuse that there is no Robert Lewandowski, that's why Germany cannot perform, because we've seen it behind the season that you do not need a Robert Lewandowski to score goals, right? This team, this attack, does not need a world-class striker to score goals. That is why, in my opinion, Flick has it, like he has the mandate to go up there, play his type of football, that modern gegenpressing German brand of football and just play every other team off the park. I think Spain will be a tough challenge at a group stage, but they made a very baffling decision, which I do not agree with, which is they left Thiago at home. And they did. I know. Yeah, they did. And I don't know why. I, I just don't understand why. 
Luis Enrique has never liked Thiago. Even when he was at Bayern, he never used to call him up for Spain or never used to give him a main role. I think that's just a massive self-own for them because Thiago is, in my opinion, the best midfielder in the world. So not having them gives Bayern that crucial midfield edge against Spain. And if you can edge Spain in midfield and Germany's main kryptonite, which is Italy, are not even in the World Cup, what is left to stop you? Brazil? Argentina? Those teams have good players, but they do not have the depth of quality, nor do they have the tactical minds behind them that Germany have. So, like, you tell me, am I overestimating this Germany team? Because I feel like people are underestimating it. People are underselling how good Germany can be. And my main hope is that Jamal Muziala, who has been incredible all season long, he announces himself on the world stage at the World Cup. And then after this, everyone is going to be all over this kid. They're going to be talking mm. about Jamal Muziala, the guy who lit up the World Cup. They're not going to be talking about anything else. You look at all these guys who just light up World Cups. They get so much hype behind them. And I think Muziala has that kind of, what should I say, that kind of star quality. And he's just being held back because he's at Bayern and he's not getting the kind of spotlight he deserves. He's going to get that spotlight at the World Cup. And because of that, I think especially with the form he's in, I think that Germany are going to make it very far. As far as you overestimating it, I don't, I don't, I don't think so because obviously I know um, both myself and you know far more than the average person about the Bundesliga. And this is kind of the world that we live in and it's our bread and butter. But as far as like you saying that uh, to a neutral spectator who doesn't watch uh, a lot of the Bundesliga, they might look at you a little funny and think, oh no, there's no chance. There's too many other good nations. But um, with what we know, I don't think you're overestimating it. I mean, I'm just someone, you know, I, I watch other leagues as well. I have allegiances to other nations. Obviously, I'm going to root for my country in USA. I, I've always been in and around the England setup because uh, since a young age, I've been uh, Steven Gerrard and, you know, Liverpool fan. So I know those guys more than most of the US players. It sucks that they're in the same group and play each other again, much like what happened in 2010. But as far as you overestimate, I don't think so. And because we have that knowledge base, you have the knowledge base and You'll, I guarantee I'll be, I am trying to go to a, a big soccer pub to watch USA, England. So I guarantee we're going to get those people talking about Germany. Like, oh, like, who is this guy? Like, who are these guys? Like, oh, oh they just play in the Bundesliga. So they play easy teams all the time. That's why, da, 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 da. you know, the typical stuff that you would hear about the average non-Bundesliga watcher. And, you know, when stats are shown of like, you know, Musiala and the amount of goals and assists he's had this season, things like that. So. To answer that question, no, you're not overestimating it, but obviously I'm in the same world that you are as far as Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. But to someone else, you know, the uh, untrained ear, if you will, will probably think that's a, a little bit of a far stretch, if that makes yeah, any sort I, of I, sense to you. Yeah, I do agree, because I think that Germany are being underestimated coming into this tournament, but it's Germany, right? They have such a massive pedigree of just winning World Cups. They have best pedigree in world football after Brazil. And in my opinion, the recent pedigree of German football is better than that of Brazil. So I would say that like Germany, because of the buying connection and because of the fact that there is so much synergy in the squad with all the Bayern Munich players available and performing well for their club, I think that's going to be the main factor that decides it. I don't think any other nation has this many players who play together at club level and are coming into the World Cup essentially playing not only the same, what should I say, the same positions that they play at club level, but also with the same teammates mm. and 
with a coach that they're completely familiar with because they coach them at the club level. I don't, I think Germany have just that slight perfect storm of factors going into the World Cup that would make them, in my opinion, one of the favorites, if not the favorite for the World Cup. I right. I know that I'm going to be plastered for this if this prediction ends up performing badly, but like I, ha- I have to speak my mind and I think that Germany have what it takes to win the World Cup. Well, if they underperform, I don't think it'll just be you who people are going after. They'll be going after the team as a whole. And, you know, on Bavarian football works, there'll be a bit of a meltdown mode again, like there was oh, in 2018. Yeah, that, that be, we remember be those fun days. Meltdown. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I think the meltdown on Bavarian football works will be a little bit uh, subdued as long as we go on to do something good in the Champions League this season. Because fundamentally, I don't think our fan base cares all that much about Germany's success. We do care a lot about it, but I do think it will tarnish Flick's legacy a little bit if, you know, he does not get the required results for Germany because it might make his treble run with Bayern look a bit more like a fluke rather than the amazing achievement that I think it was, which I don't want to see. I hope that Germany does really well and it galvanizes our players and they go on to maybe win the Champions League, win the Bundesliga, maybe a full treble this season. And I don't know, maybe Thomas Warner wins the Ballon d'Or. So, uh, Okay. Yeah. I hope instead I hope of Musiala. Instead of Musiala. Musiala will get his Ballon d'Or later. Come on. <laughs> Just so, one. Uh I, I I don't know. I don't know how I, I don't want to talk about this fraudulent award to be perfectly honest with you. I don't, <laughs> Well, we're gonna have believe. a conspiracy plan at BFW. We're gonna get some of our our journalists to uh join France football and change from within. They'll change you from without, so don't look forward <laughs> to it. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I think that's pretty much all I had to say. So I think we can wrap it up here. Well, I think what you should just add, if we wind up facing Argentina, when in doubt, sub on Mario Gürtze. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. that I, I genuinely think that is the exact reason that Hansi Flick has called up Mario Gürtze. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> also, if Argentina the thing didn't that, qualify, Gürtze wouldn't have made the squad. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the thing is that like Hansi loves Gürtze. Like, he wanted him at Bayern back when Gürtze wasn't even doing that well at PSV. So I don't know. Yeah. And then perhaps a uh, another seven one against Germany if we face them too. We the have to mind Brazil. Oh, yeah, Brazil. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, I don't know how I just messed that up. But to okay, be fair, let's... what just happened? A little uh, thing came across my ancient laptop and said it's gonna restart and do updates in like fifteen minutes, and it threw me off. So blame my uh-huh. laptop again. Because okay, okay. The culprit so of everything. Leave... The podcast works. Let's leave you and your laptop to its business. So this was Bavarian <laughs> Podcast Works. You were listening to Tom Adams and I Need No Name. We just reviewed all the options Hansi Flick has going into Germany's World Cup. And we have decided that Germany will either at least make it out of the group and maybe possibly win the final. So thank you for listening. Find us on pretty much any podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. And you can also find us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. Check out our blog. We have coverage of every single match. We have a great vibrant community where we talk about these games in depth. And that's pretty much all I have to say. So thank you for listening. See you next time. Good night.